Comics in Motion is proud to be sponsored by Renovations Press, home of the world-renowned tracksuit man, the story about traveling to which we can all relate and something we've all missed this last year. Renovations Press continues to make the decades-long quest to bring quality, independent comics to the masses with three comics each year featuring the supergroup slash government experiment gone wrong, section 12. Click the link in the show notes for more information about how you can buy some high-quality, independent comics. And stay tuned because each time a new issue comes out in 2021, Comics in Motion listeners will be eligible to win free copies of Section 12. Click that link, check out Renovations Press, support them on Patreon. You'll be happy you did. What started as just an appearance on Indie Comics Spotlight has turned into an excellent partnership between Comics in Motion and Renovations Press. We look forward to bringing you some amazing content. To the Batmobile. Let's go. Come on, Bob. For old times, huh? Harley Quinn, nice to meet ya. <laughs> Pardon my French. Fuck those fuckers. Marvel character ever, but you should never meet your heroes because honestly, he's a bit of a dick. Now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret, Captain. I am inevitable. Right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Comics in Motion podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chris Foltz, and my co-host and very good friend is Mr. Dave Horrocks. Hi, Chris, and hello to our listeners out there. Welcome to Comics in Motion TV and movie reviews for shows that are based on comic books. Myself will be reviewing from the perspective of a long-time comic book reader. And I'll be reviewing from the TV and movie perspective. And what we also like to do is we also like to spoil the hell out of everything we review. And so if you haven't watched our choice of the week, then we'd advise you to proceed with caution. And remember, with an average podcast comes no responsibility. Now, Chris, we have a special guest today. We actually have Matt B. Lloyd from Classic Comics. Welcome to the show, Matt. Hey, thank you for having me again. I'm, I'm looking forward to discussing this. This is going to be fun. Awesome. Now, long-time listeners, you might might have heard Matt before, obviously from Classic Comics, but also uh, we did Swamp Thing together, the fantastic uh, 1982 Swamp Thing. <laughs> so so uh, you're going to join us again. But Chris, what are we actually going to review? Well, Dave, we're going back to 2006, and it's the Brandon Roth-led Superman Returns, which I was very excited about doing. So I'll come to you first, Matt. Have you seen this before? I Oh, yeah, I saw it in the theater. I was, uh, you know, I'm a big comic book fan for many, many, many years. I was very excited that they were going to do another Superman movie, finally, in 2006. Uh, you know, I followed all the pre-production stuff and when they were even just trying to get a Superman movie off the ground, you know, there was that JJ Abrams script and they couldn't seem to get a right, the right script until, uh, uh, they thought Ryan Singer had the right approach to it. So I saw it, uh, with great anticipation and, and fear in the theater the day it came out, uh, uh, I went in, I was, I was concerned about a lot of elements, uh, of the film, which we'll obviously get to at some point, but yeah, I've, I've seen this, and and, uh, and this is going to sound weird. I've actually seen it a number of times since then because I kept going back to it, trying to find something in it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. What about yourself, Dave? Yeah, I saw this. Uh, I don't think I saw it at the cinema, but I seem to remember watching it on. Uh, it probably would have been DVD at the time. Um, 
I kind of I feel like I'd kind of outgrown Superman if I'm honest at, at that time, but watched it at the time and I was a bit disappointed if I'm honest. Um, it, you could tell it kind of felt like the old Christopher Reeve Superman, but it wasn't really, and I just wasn't really bought into the story. I thought it was ponderous, slow, um, and it was just a bit all over the place, and and so didn't really fall in love with it, and that's. Up until now, on this rewatch, that was the only time I'd seen it. Mm, interesting, because I, th- I think I was thinking about this, Matt, as well. I went to the cinema to watch this myself, and as a massive Superman, you know, I always say Superman 2, for me, is the pinnacle of like my superhero films. He's my favourite superhero. So going back on this, I was like, oh, I can't wait. And I, and I regularly go on YouTube, and, I, and the scene with the aeroplane, the scene when he lifts the sort of planet up and other things as well. I've, I, it always gets me, I always like watch it a little bit of a lump in the front, like, oh, I can't really, can't wait to go back on this. And that Arrowverse nonsense, Crisis on Infinite Earth that we reviewed, that everyone was just stood around tossing each other off. <laughs> it was rubbish, but Brandon Roth was really good in that as Superman. I thought he was great. So, so I was really looking forward to this, but it's interesting because it's 15 years old. That's kind of hard to believe it's 15 years old. That exactly, like yeah. that's possible. But yeah, I had the same I had the same thought when when I put it on that this was I remember I changed jobs at the same time. So so literally I was in a new job around the time this came out. So I and it's been exactly 15 years and so I have a, a I gauge it with that and that's what's that that's that's really weird that it's been so long. So it is, to be fair, you're right. <laughs> it is, because I, I agree, Matt, because I remember my daughter was like six, and I think I went, I, I don't even know if I dragged her along to watch it, and, she, and it's like two and a half hours long. I forgot how long this movie was. I've got it on DVD. I've not watched it for about, must be five or six years at least. Maybe maybe even 10 years, maybe all the way through. So I was really excited on this one. And, and I do think, look, I know we'll get into it, I don't care what anybody says, having the John Williams score in this movie, as much as I love Man of Steel and it has its own score and all that, nothing beats a John Williams score. And I still say the Snyder Cut, as much as everybody is creaming himself over it, myself included, was a great movie. <laughs> it still didn't have the John Williams score and that is sacrilege for me. Pay homage to the greats, Christopher Reeve and John Williams for me. But but this had it and it starts off exactly like that. So I'm, I was made up with just reviewing this. Well, I mean, there's an argument that that's the actually best part of the movie is the John Williams theme. <laughs> I think Dave might say that, but anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to speak about it in the intro, but since we're on old John Williams there, I, I, I agree. I think my memories of this were not, um, were not fond. I wasn't a fan of Man of Steel. I thought, um, I thought there were some good bits in it. But I thought for, you know, the amount it cost, um, I, I, for me personally, I thought it was a big letdown. Um, mm. But when this, this, yeah, <laughs> when this movie starts and you get all Marlon Brando dialogue there and then you get some of the uh, John Williams Superman theme, I'm just like, oh, you know what? I'm all in. I'm all in now. So I started <laughs> off this movie with a completely different mindset, and it was purely down. I, I would say ninety, you know, nine parts um, the Superman theme, and then having that Marlon Brando dialogue. It just 
it just hit those nostalgic notes and yeah, that immediately calibrated my mind and put me in a a positive mindset compared to, you know, everything that came after Man of Steel. You know, um, having seen Ralph as Superman in the, the crisis of the TV crossover, you know, this is the first time I've seen this movie since then. And I thought Mm -hmm. that might have, that might help me appreciate the movie more. Um, because I thought, even though I didn't, I didn't like this movie to begin with, and uh, seeing the the crisis, you know, him as Superman, and clearly the same Superman at a different stage in his life, and thought he thinking he did a good job with that, and liking him in that, I thought maybe it will make me look at this in a different way. So mm-hmm. I had a different kind of approach when. And going back, you know, whereas you were like, oh, the John Williams set you in a in a tone like, wow. And for me, it was going in thinking maybe this other thing with him will color my <laughs> opinion. Maybe it won't be as shit as I remember. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, and where, Matt, do you sit with Superman? Is he is he one of your favorites? Is he not? I mean, Chris lords you know he's he's definitely one Fucking of Chris's steady favorites. now both of you steady he's my favorite so just just yeah try to remember you know i, I could take his hour anytime as a baddie okay <laughs> so so superman and burt reynolds are two you know <laughs> characters characters you don't want to mess with with chris <laughs> well that's and, what, uh, you really missed that then you really wanted the burt reynolds superman movie that's what you're missing exactly you should have been in it he was he auditioned didn't he or he got offered it yeah. with the mustache and everything i mean that on the wig been, yeah yeah that would have been perfect wouldn't it that's <laughs> driving a trans am around metropolis yeah. that would have been perfect <laughs> flying out the back <laughs> Hey, the gun. into a loop of just exploding. <laughs> I'll, I'll, look, look, I'll be honest with you both. I'm getting aroused now. I, so I, 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 was like, I hope there's not a mess you're going to have to clean up off your keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that big, Matt. Don't worry. Um, oh, the keyboard? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be under the keyboard. Don't worry. But no. <laughs> so before we go any further, no, I started this tangent. Apologies. I'm waiting for Matt's response. Where no. He stands on Superman. No, don't don't ruin it, Go on, Matt. Um, I I I love Superman. He is one of my favorites. I think yes. he's a great character. I mean, there's so many different ways he's been done, but to me, there is a through line that that you have to maintain with Superman to do a proper Superman story. Um, and and I do I, I do love the character. Uh, I'm I'm very critical of things that don't uh, do his character justice. That tells you where I might stand on this and on other this. Superman things. So I think when when we get maybe nearer the end, I'd I'd be intrigued on what you think of this Superman compared to like the Henry Cavill Superman as well. Well, I'll tell you, after watching this, I felt so shitty. I had to put on Man of Steel to try to get something good in my head. We are going to be all over the place today. Oh yes. <laughs> <I can tell. laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't finish it because it was late when I started this, and I was like, "Well, I can't stay up till the sun comes up to watch Man of Steel because that's another long. I mean, it's five hours of movies. It's two two and a half hour movies. So yeah. I I probably made it uh, over halfway through Man of Steel and was like, "Okay, I, I remember. It's, I'm I'm falling asleep. Time to get to bed. But nonetheless, yeah." Let's let's press on because I'm ready. <laughs> it's, it's one and a quarter Snyder cuts, isn't it? 
Oh, amazing. Right, so we get into our trailer then. Let's go. You've been gone a long time. Where did you go? You have great power. Even though you've been raised as a human being, you are not one of them. It's not easy for me to live my life being who I am, keeping secrets. Clark, hey, welcome back. I see you've already met the munchkin. Hello. Yeah, well, you've been gone. Fearless reporter Lois Lane is a mommy. But if you ask me... She's still in love with you-know-who. How could you leave us like that? I moved on. So did the rest of us. The world doesn't need a savior. And neither do I. Lex Luthor. This is kind of a little reunion, isn't it? Heck, I'm a fan. I'll have advanced technology thousands of years beyond what anyone could throw at me but millions of people will die billions you wrote that the world doesn't need a savior but every day i hear people crying for one come on let me hear you say it just once you're insane no <laughs> no i want the other thing superman will no! Bring it on! Now fly. Now, Superman has been missing for five years since travelling to the location where astronomers believed that they had discovered the remains of Krypton. During his absence, Superman's nemesis Lex Luthor was released from prison and married a rich widow to obtain her fortune upon her death. Superman, having failed in his quest to find surviving Kryptonians, returns to Earth and, as Clark Kent, uh, no one noticed Clark's gone as well, um, resumes his planet <laughs> <laughs> resumes his job at the Daily Planet in Re- Metropolis. Now, I'll come to you first, Chris. What do you make to the opening of this movie? You've made a very good point there, Dave, in the plot bio, because it, we I never discussed it when we did our Snyderverse wrap-up because I had to go because it was so late when we recorded, so I jumped off at that point. Who the hell in these worlds... I love Superman. You know that. I Like you say, it's a touchy subject with me, with Superman. I love the character. Everything about him. I absolutely love him. But why did he think these people in these movies are so thick that Clark Kent has been gone for five years and just pops up the same time Superman? Exactly like the Snyderverse at the end when he, and he he's dressed as Clark Kent. He's been dead in that one. That's what makes it even worse. He was dead and buried, but he comes back and he gets his job back at the Daily Planet. Not explained, obviously, at the end of the sand. This is exactly the same. 
The, the, I know the glasses is a stretch as much as anything. I mean, nothing's worse than Wonder Woman in the Snyderverse because she stood there as herself and then she's someone who actually is an artifact, you know, an archaeologist. Nobody notices one bit that she's Wonder Woman at all. Nonsense. <laughs> this again is exactly the same. The, 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 main, the people in Metropolis are fucking the worst reporters we've ever seen at the Daily Planet because they cannot tell <laughs> who he is. And that he's come back after five years. He's utter bollocks, that. But... <laughs> He's still Superman, so there you go. You know, I never thought of the irony that you've got these intrepid reporters. (laughs) 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 Can't can't put two and two together. Um, (laughs) Now, Matt, what do you reckon to the opening? There's a lot of nostalgia in this movie, and and he's playing on the nostalgia. So I think that's meant to make you feel at home and comfortable with the characters because... You can see that, you know, they've asked Brandon Ralph to mimic Christopher Reeve pretty much as best he can. Uh, you know, it's the same. Di- some of the times, some of the scenes, it's lifted dialogue. I bet half of the dialogue in this movie is actually in Superman the movie or uh, Superman 2. That They didn't have to actually write dialogue for the movie. They just said, oh, we'll just pull that line and that line and that line. Uh, and if you notice, even early on, it basically follows the same here comes the sirens. Um, the uh, <laughs> if you follow the path of the movie, it's actually a remake of Superman the movie with uh, different uh, different lines and such in different places. But starts on Krypton with Jor El. Krypton explodes. He comes to Earth. He's in Smallville. He goes to the planet for the first time. They redo some of the same jokes from his first appearance at the planet uh, back in Superman the movie, and it's it's sort of remaking the pat the, the 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 basic outline of the film, if you know what I mean. It's it just like uh, the Force Awakens with Star Wars. Uh, mm-hmm. They do the mm-hmm. same thing to A New Hope with Force Awakens. They basically it's the same basic outline of the movie if you could say oh he's in space he comes to earth he's in small it's like which movie are you talking about oh i was talking about the other one you know so there's there's that and i found that to be very lazy uh they didn't spend i think enough time trying to create something really original they just wanted to play off of people like uh our age that have a great fondness and nostalgia for christopher reeve's superman movies uh whether you like them or love them uh or you have or once you get to the third and fourth movie you're kind of eh but whatever they're playing so much on that that it i think they've pigeonholed themselves and they are tying their hands as far as what they could possibly do to be different and interesting. That's an interesting point. And in terms of what they were trying to do in, in playing to the nostalgia there, they got me hook, line and sinker. (laughs) I've told this before that, you know, when I was growing up, I think probably my favorite three movies were probably Superman one and two and star Wars. Those things were, you know, I had them on Betamax initially and then VHS, you know, and just watch those on a loop. So, you know, I, I think I remembered not liking this and probably didn't at the time recognize that nostalgia. It just, it, well, it was Superman, wasn't it? So, you know, it's playing on the same kind of themes. Um, but it was just, the, the whole thing was a little bit lifeless. Um, but watching it this time, like I say, with the John Williams score, the Marlon Brando dialogue, um, the fact that I think Brandon Routh, I think he's a far better Clark Kent 
than Henry Cavill. I'll just put that right out there. I think he does actually look a little bit different, where whereas Henry Cavill is just Henry, Henry Cavill. Cavill glasses. Glasses. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I liked that. I like his liked his demeanor, the awkwardness of him. You know, I could kind of park the ridiculousness of it as you know, Clark's just suddenly turned up uh, at the same time as Superman. I, I, I was just cool with all of that. And like I say, the, the fact that they kept going back to that score, it did the job for me. Yeah, I, I think what you both said really, really hit home with me this time. I, I said last week, Matt, I said, oh, this is a, a sleeper hit. And I, I totally got the context and the meaning of it wrong. I mean, Dave were having a good laugh on the show, the Green Hornet, but... <laughs> I come into this thinking, oh, I cannot wait. And I'll be honest with you both. You're right. The nostalgia and these a couple of bits are quite good, but I didn't want to do this because I've really thought I'd be scoring it quite high because I've always held this in such high thing, but it's pretty fucking boring and and it's on for too long. And, and I didn't think I'd be saying that about Superman movie. I know we're going to do Superman four at some point, one, two, and three, even three. I love uh, you know, the Christopher Reeve ones, I do. But the fourth one, and I went to cinema to watch it, I know it's terrible. It was terrible when I was a kid, and I'm dying to us to review it. But this, I genuinely thought was going to be brilliant, and it was going to be as good as what I thought was Man of Steel. I do agree, Brandon Roth, he gets the Christopher Reeve awkwardness, everything about him exactly the same. But the story's just unbelievable. I know it's a superhero story, and he's an alien from another planet, but the fact that nobody can see who he is, and even get the joke, don't we, with Lois's husband in Matt of X-Men, Cyclops, saying, yeah. um, oh, 215 pounds and all that, you know, and, the, and they go, oh, no chance, you know, but he has just arrived five years after, at the same time as Superman. Where's he been, Clark? So it's, it's, it is, there's some real lulls in this, and I'll be honest with you both, I think the worst person in this movie Kevin Spacey, I think he's absolutely garbage as uh, Lex Luthor. He's no phoning it in. You fucking he rubbish. definitely is. He definitely is. But, you know, after going from that initial elation, you know, from, from that intro, I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to really enjoy this. And Kevin, Spacey, Kevin Spacey's face pops up. I'm like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I sort of forgot he was in this and it's amazing how many fucking alleged sex offenders there are on this movie because obviously Brian Singer's not fared too well in recent ah, times that's right and then I think one of the is one of the producers isn't it um John Peters as well he was in hot water for mm, that's uh, right being a bit of a bad boy so yeah I'm not sure we've covered a film with quite so many on the on the shit list there. <laughs> and you could, you could almost make a case for Superman being a sexual offender in this movie as well. <laughs> what, what, as much as Wonder Woman in, in Wonder Woman 84? I, it's, I mean, there is, there is an interpretation. There is an interpretation, yeah, because uh, that's part of the problem. That's one of the big problems with the movie is, you know, I mean, we know how Lois got pregnant, but how did Lois get pregnant? What did she remember? You know, it, it never addresses it effectively to where going in cold, if you haven't read anything from Singer, you don't understand what he's doing because you could look at it and it could feel like a direct sequel to Superman 2 because there's no reason. To well, think I think it's not unless you read the interviews with Singer around the time the movie came out and he said, no, it's not a direct sequel. It's a thematic sequel. So he's taking themes and ideas from those movies and continuing them in this story, 
But there are things that are specific also that happen in those films that happen in this film. So mm. that, that is part of the continuity, like the I spent the night with Superman article. You know, that becomes a joke at the end, but that happened in this world. She has that interview called I spent the night with Superman. But so what exactly happened that got her pregnant? It, the whole, you know, the 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 the, uh, the amnesia kiss. She forgot, but she she got pregnant, or what happened? You know, it, it it begs a whole lot of questions, which to me is a whole other part of the reason why there are problems with this movie. Plus, the this basic fact that you had a chance to make a Superman movie, and the best idea you can come up with is paternity test for Superman. <laughs> they'd have to have some kryptonite fucking containers or something to keep him in there though wouldn't they to keep but, his sample in there but, something like that but, yeah but, 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 but let me just jump in there quickly because i agree with you the one thing i don't get is the reason really, like you say it is basically disregard superman three and four and it is sort of in that realm of the second movie afterwards however when I watch Smallville and Tom Welling has sex with Lois Lane, Lois Lane is superhuman in that episode because he can't have sex with people. That's the whole thing. He can't because, look, let's be honest, his fucking dick's going to be like a jackhammer, isn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> He'll just kill somebody and his sperm would probably kill someone as well. Let's 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 cut about the chase here. So like you say, the, the, the kiss, she doesn't even know that Clark is Superman. But she knows who Superman is, and and that doesn't make any sense. So I agree with that, Matt. I never thought of that. But the whole baby thing makes no sense. The kid looks about ten, and he's supposed <laughs> to be five. Yeah, and it's, I, it's nonsense. I made some of those notes. Like, what what five year old in kindergarten is getting grades like A, B, C, and D? You know, I, I it's like they're talking about his report card. What do you mean his report card? He's gonna he's a five-year-old doesn't have a report card you know yeah. your report card is you don't shut up or you know stuff like that it's not you know you got an a in science or whatever no you didn't <laughs> you know, or a, a, a b or a c in pe or whatever and that's crap that's just that's absolutely ridiculous <laughs> what about though sorry dave sorry to go yeah. what about the, the way that they pretend that Jason has drew these pictures, it's clearly one of the best cartoon artists ever <laughs> of the family yeah. with Superman. There's no way that he drew them fucking the too, too good. The, trying to pretend to be a kid drawing in, Dave, they are unbelievable, them pictures. Anyway, sorry, Dave, I cut across it. I was just going to ask you, it's a genuine question. I mean, is a five-year time period, is that like a movie trope? like five years because i'm sure we've watched something recently where someone's gone away for five years and then they've come back and then you know the uh, the girl has had a baby and stuff and moved on got married and got divorced <laughs> does this ring a bell chris uh, yes it does um what is it oh gosh <laughs> It'll come back to me. It's something we've done. It's some, I don't know it's, it's the VHS. It's, or... it's Ghostbusters too. Oh, it's because Scorny Weaver, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So five yeah. years later, she's she's got with someone else, had a baby, got married, and got divorced in five years. She's been fucking busy. Also, <laughs> the, the whole um, Avengers <laughs> Endgame. Yep, that was five. That's the first thing I thought of. That's the first thing I thought of. You yeah. said that. Yeah, oh, unbelievable, unbelievable. That now, what I would say is the the best bit of the film for me is this plane scene it always is my go-to on youtube if i'm going on a superman thing and i pick out different parts of each movie 
Funny enough, I never picked any bits of Superman fucking four at all. <laughs> that is an atrocious film, but I know we're going to go back on it. But, but all the other three, I always go to Superman three, the junkyard fight. I love that one. So I know it's a terrible fight and the whole throwing the tires on Clark is awful, but the, I just love that fight. I love it when he he, he comes out of the, the compactor and he's, he rips his shirt off and all that. Brilliant. Well, iconic. Give me goosebumps every time. I know we've done the reviews on it, but I love them. I love all them three movies. Man of Steel. And with this, I always go to this plane scene. Now, again, it is very much Christopher Reeve, the, the way this is set and everything. And I, and I think out of the whole movie, as much as I think it's really slow and really boring, but this for me is the highlight of the whole film, which really should have been at the end, I think, to be honest. I uh, I thought the plane scene had a few had some good moments but it doesn't make any sense why he would try to stop a plane falling like that by grabbing the wing it's like it's the first time he's saved a plane <laughs> but we know it's not that's the thing superman <laughs> saves planes from falling out of the sky that's what he's one of the things he does so you would never grab it by the wing he would know to grab it by the by the fuselage to support it i mean it doesn't make any sense it's like no, they had to draw out the scene just to try to make it exciting even though it doesn't make logical sense that he would do that you know no i i that stuck out to me as well but i'm trying to think because when we covered superman 3 we were having a good laugh about superman picking up this well it first of all he freezes the top of the lake and <laughs> yeah. then he grabs it yeah. right on the tip yeah. and then carries this sheet this huge sheet of ice you know and and you're just thinking well the physics it, it just wouldn't work <laughs> but do you remember chris M mlg so mike lee graham artist for uh my final halloween he gave this explanation for it <laughs> i can't remember what the explanation was don't know if you do chris I can't he gave this saying. great explanation of of how you know it, superman can uh join up the molecules and reinforce them or something and he just i just remember, him I remember this off with. he goes which is Fucking bullshit. <laughs> I forget it. You, Matt, you'll have to go back to our episode 50 of the TV movie reviews because that is, it's where we mean Dave Singh on it as well. It's absolutely atrocious, but it's a oh, great episode, right. Superman 3 review. So yeah, if you get a chance, but yeah, the, the, it, Mike Lee Graham is so funny. He's just like, he's like us, you know, his humor is just exactly the same. <laughs> Such a good guy. But but you're right, that there, there's so many things they nod to in this. And I think you, you are right there, Matt, because even when he pulls the wing off, it still doesn't sit with me. Why is he trying to spin the plane? Even yeah, watching it, I do love this scene. I love it. But there is bits in it that don't make no sense whatsoever. You were saying this is your favorite part of the movie. I, I find that on the rewatch, and anytime I've ever seen it, to me, the movie doesn't really get any kind of interesting or, or anything whatsoever until the end when... Uh, he has to save them from the ship, and then after that, that that's the only part that really feels new and different and and emotionally interesting. Because finally, you have Lois coming to terms with her feelings that yeah, she still does love Superman, and yet she's supposed to be marrying this other guy who's a nice guy, who's a good guy. He's not like a shitbird, you know. It'd be so easy to hate him if he was a shitbird, right? But he's not. So she's got this really horrible conundrum she's got to figure out but in the moment she's just reacting with her emotions and uh you know she gets him she gets uh her, her richard there to endanger her her son and him to go back and save superman now what kind of sense does that make i had a question about that too because my wife would be you did what 
you did what to our yeah. child? Um, so <laughs> my wife been like, he's going to die. I'm sorry. <laughs> Superman's going to die. I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, you know, to me that that's finally where it actually starts to get interesting and more than just a, uh, isn't this really fun nostalgia recreating all these scenes you saw 30 years ago? You know, that it, it finally gets interesting to me. Uh, and even though the story is still, you know, questionable, uh, at best it's questionable. Uh, so, I, but that to me was the, is the best part finally at the end. <laughs> I think the, the yeah, I do think um, the more I think about it, and as we're talking about it, it, a lot of it is, it does just feel quite lazy, doesn't it? Like, how does Lex Luthor, you know, gain his fortune? Well, he marries an old widow, you know, he pulls the old Anna Nicole Smith play, um, allegedly. <laughs> that seems a bit crap. But again, I'm going to call out the nostalgia that ultimately Lex Luthor's plan is a callback to Superman the movie, where it's all about creating your own real estate. And rather than bring in the borders, you know, because he's bought all this desert land that no one wants before, he's creating his own new land. And so, again, I know it's crap. I know that was more blatant in terms of just a, just a copy. Um, but but I did enjoy that little callback. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I, and I think you, you hit it as well, Matt, before. He's, there's loads of nostalgic bits to it. But unfortunately, I think as the story progresses, I'm not interested in Luther. The whole thing, like the comedy scene where the woman carks it and he gets the thing and that young kid's crying. And, <laughs> and also as well, you know, the guy out of uh, James Marsden, out of the X-Men, you know, Cyclops. Yeah. He's, he's just... What is he there for? She, she, you know, she's married to him and all that. They've got the kid, and, and he obviously knows it's not his kid. He, he figures it out. You know, he figures it out along the way. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah he, he, he knows what's going on and all that. And the fact that you know, what of you know, if if they were in two thousand and six, it was easy to get into someone's computer by just putting Superman as a password. Unbelievable. Uh, you know, I know that's later in the film, but it, it's just, <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, just yeah. it's just, it's just so nonsense. And I, and I really, I know what you say about space. Space, he does my head in all the way through the whole pretense of it. As much as there isn't a callback to Superman 4, this is right out of let's take a strand of his hair out of the museum and create that fucking nuclear man. And this is what they do. They take kryptonite from the museum. Why would you have someone that can kill Superman in a museum? It just makes no sense whatsoever. Right. But well, well, the reason why is because it's exactly what they did in the Superman the movie. He steals the meteorite that fell in Addis Ababa. It's the same thing from the Superman the movie. Yeah. It's exactly that's the true. same thing. That, that's why it's there, because he couldn't come up with any good ideas on his own. He had to steal <laughs> all these other ideas, and the only ideas he has are bad. And I say he, I mean <laughs> Ryan Singer, because he wrote the story, and then he and, and some other poor slobs had to come up with a script. Um, but he has no good ideas for the Superman movie, straight out. He has no good original ideas. And that's the problem, that, that his his new ideas are, are shit. And that's being nice. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't mean your words, Matt. You know I mean? yeah, yeah. Okay, I won't. Okay, it's one of the most fucking worst superhero movies ever. <laughs> actually, Eddie, actually, we've, we've done some bad ones. <laughs> you, know, you know what's really funny about this movie to me is that as a movie, it's not really that bad. As a Superman movie, it's horrible. It's a good point. 
if you take Superman out of the equation and make it some character like Superman, but not Superman, it's actually a better movie. If you had this and you thought about it in those terms, that it's a character that's similar to Superman, but it's not actually Superman. He has similar powers and stuff, but it's not him. It's actually a better movie. And and that's kind of the problem. And I think part of that goes to the fact that uh, Singer himself said that he was not really a Superman fan from the comics. He liked the Superman movies. And that was his total frame of reference was the movies. And he has no real exposure to the character except for that. So hmm. all he can really work from are those Donner films and Lester, well, Donner, one and a half Donner films and Richard Lester films and whatever. But that's part of the problem. He doesn't get a lot of the other aspects of the character. He only gets what's in the mood, those movies. So he can only recapitulate those same ideas and themes and scenes and stuff. He doesn't know enough to do anything more interesting. In that case, I'm disappointed we didn't get the cling film Superman symbol then. <laughs> <laughs> Can't beat that, Dave. That is amazing. Cellophane. Yeah, amazingly useless. <laughs> yeah, does nothing at all. But uh, but no, I, I think I think obviously again, like Lois, the way she ends up on Lexi's yacht again. <laughs> what are the chances of that? What are the chances of that? <laughs> and he's doing his teeth, and I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> and, and I forgot, I, I honestly forgot all these beats of the movie. This is where I think the movie just goes really slow, uninterested. I think the whole idea of him creating this other little planet, like the crypt, mini Krypton and stuff, is bobbins, really. It's really bad. It, it, it is. When I watch it now, it, it, the, the whole idea is garbage. It really, And that guy is, you know, you've got James Marsden, R Richard there. He drives, he flies a plane that could only go about 250 <laughs> miles. But yeah, he can get in the middle of the fucking ocean. It's just <laughs> nonsense. So, I mean, what, what do you think about James Marsden then in this film because for me he he was un he was underserved in the X Men movies he he was very much a background character you know in the comics he's he's very much in the foreground but he is a bit of a drip as well he's he was quite an uninteresting personality he was collecting a paycheck <laughs> he needed to work yeah. the man needed to work <laughs> I, I just well he left x-men didn't he so they had to rewrite without him you know they had to kill him off in x-men 3 but to me he's just come here to play scott summers again just with uh, the name of Richard White. And so it, it always struck me as a really weird move that he would take like quite the, the role of quite a prominent character to come, it, come to this movie and just play a background character. Yeah, it's weird because, and I, I agree, Dave, like he comes into his own, I know he's Perry White's nephew now, he comes into his own a little bit at the end and there's a bit of respect between them both. But I just think there was no point to that. Lois' whole thing is Superman. She loves him. I know, you know, at the end bit, he sort of saves him and goes back. But why would you go back when you've just rescued your fiance and her son and you're in this little shitty Zephyr plane or whatever it is, you know, Cessna plane, and, and they go again. And then the son finds it, Superman. I mean, the, the whole pretense of Richard, really. And I'm going to say the famous words. He's Superman's fucking fluffer in this. Definitely. He's a, a non-character. It makes no sense. He doesn't further the story. He makes it awkward for no reason. There's just no need for it. If, if Superman was Lois's one love, she wouldn't have moved on. 
I don't think. I honestly don't think. And she certainly wouldn't have been having sex with somebody like less than two weeks after Superman disappeared. Yes. Because that's the only way she could think that was Richard's son if they had sex that soon after Superman left. I mean, yeah. when she even figured out, oh, he's gone, I better have somebody, somebody else. I mean, that, that to me is one of the other aspects that dis, is, does a great disservice to the characterization overall. I mean, it, it makes Lois look terrible, in my opinion. You know, you can see there, and that's why you wonder, does she even know she had sex with Superman? Or is it that's the whole... I was just wondering. Or is it the whole, you know, you know super roofy situation? The old, the old amnesia kiss. Yeah, and he's like, right, fuck this. Yeah, I don't, I don't have to pay job maintenance or anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he kept his boots on though? <laughs> his boots and his cape. <laughs> See, I think she would have liked that. How he would have got his outfit off, I don't know. But um, yeah, it, the pretense of it. I mean, this is us thinking as adults, like, you know, as a kid, you wouldn't even think of this, but you are thinking the practicality of this makes no sense whatsoever. You know, like he would have a sex with a human being because he's cross. He sounds horrible, but he's cross contaminating and he's, he's putting two, two race, you know, people, beings together sort of thing. So I, I don't know. I, I can't, uh, I'm probably thinking too deeply in this, but that is a massive plot hole in the movie it really is a plot hole when you talk about superman and lois lane uh reproducing together uh there is certainly the famous larry niven essay you know man of steel woman of kleenex that uh goes through all the things you were talking about earlier <laughs> yeah that's what it's called what? i'm not joking you've never heard of that no. <laughs> yeah, man of steel, woman of Kleenex. Yeah, the idea that when Superman ejaculated, it'd be like a bullet shooting off and then just blow her head off. Oh, yeah. So one of the movies Chris hated was Mole Rats, but one of the yeah. characters, Brody, discusses it at length. Oh. How, you know, there's no way that Lois, because basically he'd shoot straight through her back and there's only, yeah, yeah. Um, there's only Wonder Woman who'd be able to handle his super sperm. Yeah, exactly. But there's... <laughs> But there's another. But if you remember from Superman two, when they had sex, he was depowered. So that's yeah, one way to yeah. look at it. So it makes you think, though. So is that what happened? But but I mean, in the comics, though, they have reproduced naturally in the comics in continuity. So it's not like mm -hmm. it can't happen in the. You know, the idea is, I guess, that he's Superman. He can at least control that to an extent, so he doesn't hurt Lois. You know, or maybe. <laughs> Or, or maybe just don't need to think about might, it too this, Hold on, no, no, yeah. no, hold on. This might be a Grant. This might be a Grant Morrison thing. I'm thinking of because this sounds Not like really. something he would come up with, and it just struck me. Maybe they go to the uh, Fortress of Solitude because you know they're married at this point in the comics, and they have a uh, a room with a red sun, uh, red sunlight, so he can depower and they can just be normal. That kind of thing, you know. Uh, so I mean, that means you know it takes a spontaneity out of things. But then again, he can fly to the you know North Pole or Antarctic, wherever the fortress is these days. You know, pretty quick. So I don't know if you really just have to pop up there for the occasional dirty weekend. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I think the problem I think the problem with the fact that we have to discuss all this points out the the terrible <laughs> idea that it was to do this in a movie. Because I mean, if you just had Superman and Lois having a kid, you could joke about it on the side, but it's not a big deal. It's no pro There's no other problems 
brought up by it, but because it brings up questions of, did Lois know she had sex with Superman? Did he roofie her? Why did he leave? Why, why would he have be in a relationship or whatever with Lois? Then you decide I'm, I'm busting out for five years and I'm too much of a wuss to say goodbye. I mean, what kind of bullshit is that? I mean, that, that was one of the worst <laughs> scenes in the movie. It's, you know, and also why, why do Lex's knuckle dragging bloody henchmen, why are they such great piano players? <laughs> yeah, that guy. <laughs> it's just misunderstood, isn't he? He's one of them bad guys. He's misunderstood. <laughs> you, know, you know what, though? And I'm going to, this is the last thing I'm going to say in Superman having sex is, do you think this is a genuine question for both of you? And I think this is quite serious for the movie. So, so I want your honest answers. Do you think he's above average? <laughs> in, in terms of length or girth? Both. This needs to answer it. Well, you know he's probably super hard. <laughs> Don't call him the Man of Steel for nothing. Right. <laughs> do you think he went 30 seconds like we all do, or do you think he got longer? Anyway, <laughs> See, I know when Chris says, no, no, I'm going into a serious question now. You know he's not. <laughs> exactly the fucking opposite is about to transpire. It's, it's, it's one of those Max Burns questions for superheroes for dummies. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about the super schlong. <laughs> so, um. Ah, uh, that's throwing me Sorry off. about right. that. So, so, so this <laughs> was the first movie, though, that wasn't a PG, is wasn't it? So I know, you know, PG, had, sorry, PG-13s only really came in. Was it in the late 80s? I know it was after things like Gremlins and, and things like that. Um, well, Superman this 4 was, was 87, 12. so I don't think it would have even hit PG-13. When did that come out even? Because... I'm sure it was, it was something daft because I, I had a quiz question on this, but I can't remember the answer. I'm sure it was like Red Heat or oh, no, it wouldn't have been Red Heat. Would have been something like it's Red something or other. Isn't it Red Dawn? Red Dawn. That's Red the one. Dawn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that it? So I well, think that was, that was like the first one. Eighty six or something. I don't know. That sound right? Pass. But this this one was a twelve A, which is the point I was going to make. And so they they don't really. It's a bit of a departure, you know, from the very charming kind of Superman movies, certainly the first couple. And so do 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 you guys think it needed to be a 12A? I know right at the end when uh, he gets stabbed, that's the only thing that really stands out to me that kind of warranted that rating. Yeah, um, I, don't, I, I don't think he's gory, though, Dave, either, really. You don't see it, really, do you? I generally think, I mean, look, I fucking watched Jaws as a PG and it still traumatized me now. These fucking snowflake kids in the 2000s end up being stabbed with a bit of green crystal. Um, no, I, I agree. It doesn't, it's not graphic, is it? I mean, I think you see a bit of blood when they pull it out, but um, no, I'm, I'm in agreement. But I don't, I think they also, if that was the thing that pushed it over into that rating, I don't think they had to show the blood. Yeah. It's almost as if they were trying to make a statement. They were trying to say, you know, Superman, he's a bit more edgy now. He's a bit, bit darker. And it, it has like set us on a path, you know, cause this was after Batman begins as well, wasn't it? A year, a year yeah. after. Yeah. You know, mm. I, I think, I think, and I don't want to get back to the whole Superman and Lois having sex again, but I think the themes <laughs> in the movie 
with uh, <laughs> with well, I mean, I mean, it's central to the story is that they had sex at some point and have a kid. So you have to also you can't. How are you going to take an eight year old to this movie and try to explain why is it Superman's? Why don't they know it's their son? How do you not know it's? I mean, you got kids when they're eight years old when they ask about you know how do kids happen you know you got to explain certain things and there are certain things you don't need to explain at certain ages so you can't get into how this whole thing is supposed to work in the movie unless you have to explain to your kids about sex so you don't want to take kids that haven't had that talk yet in school or from the parents and that's usually around what 11 12 something like that so to me, it makes sense it, from that respect because I've got at the time I would have had an eight-year-old and a three-year-old, and you know, yeah, we weren't going to be talking about that to them, you know, at that age. So <laughs> that, that doesn't make sense. That that to me, it has more to do with those actual themes than any kind of gore or anything like that. You know, and sometimes they say excitement and all that, but you know. I don't know. It, I think it's. I think it's more has to do with that than anything else. Because there are some movies that have uh, R rating. Sometimes you're like, "That was R," but it's because it's 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 made for adults about adult themes and stuff, and it's not necessarily graphic in its depiction of it. But you know, you're not going to take a kid to see. I can't think of it on top of my head, but you know, yeah, there are movies like that. I think you sort of right what you said before, Matt, about like if he, if it wasn't a Superman movie. It's different. I think because of the nostalgia, that's what hits me. And now you said, Dave, you, you set you up for the whole thing. This is this is an interesting way of, of bringing Superman back, but then basically stealing a lot of the things that made it so good from the 80s, but not really expanding on the character. That, that, like you said, I know we've, we've talked about that and joked about him and Lois, but there's just too many holes in, in the five-year absence for me. Now, watching it now, 15 years later, and I've never, ever thought about it. And maybe it's because we review movies all the time and you've got your head on to look for little mistakes or little things that don't make sense. But it's not something that like you've come to the table or, or each of us comes to the table with a different perspective. We all love it and that. It's just a boring and pretty empty movie in parts. There's so I mean, Brian Singer even says, if he had his time again, he would start the film at the plane scene and forget about all that. He's actually said, that I, I, I think it was too long, the narrative to get to that point. I should have just started it with action and just carried it on. And I think he's probably right. It was just far too long. I still don't think he's necessarily nailed that. I mean, the first Superman movie, was it was like 50 minutes before you got to see him in his costume, wasn't it? Yes. And I think it was. It was a 70s movie, so, you know, they generally were a bit slower then. But I I can still go back and watch that and get enjoyment out of that, you know, the way they built that up. But that's um, because they do a great job with the character in telling Superman's story and creating the character in the world he lives in. So you understand mm -hmm. him, whereas this movie does none of that. It does absolutely none of that. It's only there simply to make you think of what a great movie Superman the movie was. It actually has no bearing on what happens later on because the whole reason for going to Krypton is a throwaway line. That's a throwaway line. That's actually interesting. They should have made the movie about that. That should have been the movie. Why is he going to suit Krypton? Why does he think it's still around? What's he find there? Nothing. He comes back disappointed or whatever. But that should have been part of the movie. That's how it, it should have started with something like that. You know, some action sequence and a scientist and, oh my gosh, oh, Lois, I've got to go, da 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 And maybe if something happens, she thinks he's dead. You know, if you can sell me in the movie storyline that Lois thinks Superman is dead and then she moves on 
legitimately, I can buy that, but not with what they got. They just, they just, I don't know. I find very little good about this movie, especially when you start digging into it. This is the first movie that really made me think really critically about movies, quite honestly, because I disliked it so much. I had to stop and think, well, why do I dislike it? What what am I reacting to? Because, you know, you watch a movie and you have sort of a, you're not sitting there in a theater usually picking apart the movie, criticizing it, making critical judgments about it. You're reacting to it sort of viscerally, you know, oh, I'm enjoying this. This is great. Why do I like this? Oh, this is crappy. Why do I not like this? You know, and then you think about the reasons later on and you kind of put it together and you can kind of build a a little puzzle of why, why it works and why it doesn't work. And this is, I mean, this is so bad. I wrote a sequel to this movie to fix everything and sent it to Warner oh, Brothers and DC Comics. Is this wow. still accessible? Is this something uh, you can post? Yeah, uh, can I post it? It is on a laptop that is not connected to anything but itself, but I do have a paper copy of it. So, yeah, I do have that. I have it. It's accessible still. Um, I uh, I even got a letter back from Warner Brothers and Paul Levitz. Wow. At DC Comics about it. <laughs> Paul Levitz was like, That's cool. like a hey, we don't accept unsolicited, <laughs> you know, scripts, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But, but anyways, he still responded. Um, and the, the WB letter was the guy was like, hey, you know, we're, we're sorry you didn't like it. We've heard a lot of these kind of complaints, uh, but we really think you'll like uh, the next Batman movie, The Dark Knight and Watchmen when it comes, because that's, it, was, it was in between, you know, that I wrote the letter and everything. So it was, mm-hmm. uh, so... But anyways, the point was, I, I really thought critically about this movie. For, this is the first one I really dug in hard and was like, what are the problems with this, this movie? And it's like the fur- these, when you start going, you keep digging in further and further, and it just gets to be a black hole of, you know, there's so little about this movie that is really good that doesn't just raise more questions and make it more difficult to like after you start thinking about it. That's the sign of a bad movie or a bad story. Um, I, I do a lot of, you know, comic reviews and unfortunately, you know, Superman has not been blessed with the best writer in the past for the past couple of years. And same thing, just dumb stuff that once you start thinking like like if you just read it and stop you just read it and don't think it's it's okay but the minute you start thinking about it it just doesn't make sense it's just like this like well how did he how did she not know it was superman's kid how did did they not have sex did they how did he know had sex even you know it's just oh it's just a mess so sorry i kind of went on a rant there no that's all right i don't but I have to say, I'm probably not the only person. I'm sure there's people listening as well who'd be quite interested in reading that sequel. So okay. I, I don't know <laughs> if you can digitize it. We can stick it up on Google Docs or Oh, Google like Docs. I could certainly scan it in and do it that way. That would be easy to do. Yeah, that would yeah. be a nice, nice, yeah. easy way to do it. So um, let, me, let me find it. Yeah. That'd be cool. I, I always find it on the Marvel side as well that someone like uh, – and. They have better writers now, but for a period of time, if you're writing, say, a Spider-Man book or a a Wolverine book, I know Dan Slott. I I love what Dan Slott's done on uh, Spider-Man in recent years. I know he's not on it anymore, but you don't have to get your top-class writers on there because people are going to buy it anyway. And so (laughs) do you think for Superman is that – I know we've had, like, Grant Morrison. I know there has been some great writers, but you were just talking about the crappy stories. Yeah. You know, they put their less than A, grade A team on it. 
I, I don't, I think sometimes that's okay. You can have a, just a good writer. You don't have to have a great writer, um, but you have to have a great sort of understanding of the character. And the, the stories, you know, they were telling that when Dan Jurgens was writing action and it was a uh, Peter Tomasi and uh, Patrick Gleason on the Superman book, they were, they were doing great stuff. They were doing uh, different stuff. It was, they were taking Superman in some different directions and uh, Superman with, a, and it's Superman with a kid, his own kid at that. But you mm. know, how different is that to have a, uh, Superman and Lois raising a child. That's actually different and interesting. Okay, I'm 51. I got two kids. That interests me. I, I, I'm going to connect with that. If you're a 15-year-old kid or even at 20, 25, and you don't have any kids, I can see where you may not connect with that. But you can't say that it's not different and uh, the potential to have different kinds of stories and explore different aspects of Superman. Whereas, you know, when Bendis came on, he just threw all that away because he didn't he didn't have any good ideas for that. He only had ideas to set it back when to, to try to eliminate all the interesting things that were going on and just make it about Superman. But the problem is he still didn't have any good ideas and they were executed really poorly. So you can make the mistake of putting a superstar writer on a book and if they don't really get the character and understand what's interesting about the character, um, you're gonna get you know, most likely bad stories are stories that don't fit. And I think that's part of the problem with the Superman's returns is that Singer by his own admission only knows it from the movies. So he doesn't understand why it's going to be a problem for Superman and Lois to have this kid. When from somebody from my perspective, I go back and look at Superman too and go, the absolute worst idea in that movie is that they have sex. That is just a bad idea, you know, for, for Superman, you know what I mean? And you can look at it in a perspective of it is his first appearance. It is his development into who he's going to be. And that's kind of how he learns not to interfere with human history and not do some of those things he shouldn't do. But the, the thing is, though, that Singer doesn't see it as that's not a jumping off point. You don't go, oh, they had sex. Let's have them have a kid. That's not a jumping off point for a good Superman story. If you want to do a Superman story like Singer kind of did, there is a really good comic by Howard Chaikin called Superman and Son. And it mm. does it does this with the same kinds of themes, but it does it in a way that feels like Superman instead of a hit and run boyfriend. You know, it, it feels right. <laughs> It feels like Superman is supposed to <laughs> whatever this is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good, so good. So, so I tell you, I, I mean, just getting back to the to the movie. So, <laughs> another what you were saying, Matt, about you know not really, not really thinking too deeply about what you're seeing, but just having that emotional reaction to it one of the things that always troubles me is like when superman's exposed to the kryptonite in this movie kevin smith uh, kevin smith kevin spacey <laughs> is suddenly you know he is empowered he, he can do the bruce lee one inch punch right and he's on that you know rocky bit he's on the whole kind of island that he's created and then he just punches superman and boots him all across the place and i'm thinking i mean brandon routh put on i think he put on like 20 pounds of muscle or something you know so even without his superpowers 
he's still physically got that weight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just not buying for a second that Lex Luthor is kicking the crap out of him quite like he does. Yeah, I mean, there, there's an argument to be made that Kryptonite isn't just bringing him to normal, it weakens him. So he could, mm-hmm. he's physically going to be weaker, but, you know, a big guy, you hit a big guy, whether he's standing there and, like, you know, half passed out, there's still a lot of weight and mass there that, uh, you know, little Lex Luthor is not going to be able to really, you know, affect, I think. I think I, I agree with that. And even even more so, the fact that, you know, the whole bit, once he actually picks up the island, makes even less sense because he was on top of the thing and he could barely stand up with the, with the kryptonite. Now, how's he going to pick that thing up if all that kryptonite is right there? And it's, there's yeah. pieces like sticking in him still. And I mean, sure, he went up and powered up in the sun, but it, it, it doesn't work that way. There's freaking kryptonite, you know? It's not like because it was a cloudy day, he wasn't as powerful, you know? Mm. I, don't, I mean, sure, he can power up in the sun and that gives him his power and all, but it doesn't but as soon as he goes back down to the kryptonite, guess what? It's still going to affect him the same way. <laughs> it's not yeah. like it's a, you know what I mean? It's a, it does, that doesn't make any sense either. And that, that's just like what you're saying, you know, it's, it, you don't think about it. You're just thinking, oh, well, now Lex Luthor can, can punch him. Yeah, but he's still probably going to break his hand because if you probably, <laughs> yeah. if that, if Kevin Spacey punched Brandon Routh like that, normally he would probably break his hand still because he was a big guy and muscle and it's, it's not like the muscle became mashed potatoes, you know? Yeah, yeah. Or helium. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you know what, though, Matt? And that's so right. At this time watching it, he'd been stabbed. He takes it out of him, the kryptonite. He comes back down. Like, he goes up to the sun, comes back down. But the kryptonite is there. He's got his hands all over it. He starts exposing himself more and more at the higher and higher he gets in the sky. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was thinking exactly the same, thinking, how can he be kicking you know he's been kicked 10 tons of shit out of him by yeah. these goons who are human yeah. can he now lift this like what three or four mile circumference of a, a planet he just lifts yeah. it up of, and carries of it kryptonite of kryptonite yeah, yeah that, that 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 makes no sense whatsoever at all plus he still has a shard in him remember at the yeah. hospital they yeah. take a little bit of kryptonite out of him still like oh what the hell yeah. is this oh <laughs> so it's it's not that he's He's still got kryptonite in him. It's it's just one of those things. Once again, they're they're not thinking about it. And you know, and the thing is, if if the rest, if like the characterization and the basic story was fun and good, and you were enjoying all that, you can kind of over. I think you can overlook some of those comic book movie plot holes. But it just it's like one thing that to to add on to that you just it's harder to it makes it harder to take that to forgive those when they make even bigger mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right, and 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 I do say like watching this again, and obviously when he takes the planet up and then he comes back down to Earth. When I watched it at the cinema, and I've watched it a few times since, I was proper like lump in the throat, like oh my, God, oh yeah, Superman. yeah. And he's in hospital. I was really like thinking, but like you were just saying, they try and inject Superman when they take him into the hospital, but then the needle bends, but they get the kryptonite out of him. So what, what tool are they using to get that out? Again, no continuity at all. But but this this scene does not hit like a, like it used to to me. I don't know about you guys, but it, it didn't seem as dramatic or like I was worried about. I know obviously I know the result of it because I've seen it, but I used to really like feel like oh, lump in the throat. This it's, it's, you know Superman could be dead and everyone's rallying around him. But I just didn't find it convincing this time. And the fact that Lois Lane can get through Metropolis traffic 
like the, no problem in an Audi, which obviously was product placement because we sponsored by Audi. And then, <laughs> then he waits and blocks the traffic on that road. It, it made no sense. No sense whatsoever. <laughs> I'll tell you uh, as well, you know, and I, I, I honestly, I didn't hate this movie, um, but the character of Kitty Kowalski, you know, Lex <laughs> Luthor's right-hand woman, again, the fact that she goes all gooey-eyed over Superman, it's just... It is Miss Tessmacher. Miss Tessmacher. It? Yeah, yeah, it is. But she's not nearly as interesting as Miss Tessmacher. No, no. She's exactly the same, though. You're right. I think that, I think not as interesting, but the same beat. She rescues Superman again, doesn't she, with them crystals inadvertently. She doesn't like the fact that they're levering him and all this. It's like in the first one with, you know, Gene Hackman and that. And, and it's a mum, isn't it? He's going to take out the place where her mum lives. So she disrupts the whole plan. Of, of basically wrecking mm. the planet and stuff. So again, I don't know. I, d- I, d- I don't know where they were going with it. They should have just called her Miss Tessmacher. That's it. Because Miss Tessmacher, I think Tessmacher is actually in Smallville as well. She's a love interest of Clark at one point before she sort of turns <laughs> bad towards the end of Smallville. So so interesting. And of course, Cannonball Run. Well, obviously, yeah. <laughs> have you got anything hiding down there, Hot hey, Pants? That's, a, that's our uh, connection, isn't it, to Swamp Thing? Yeah. Yeah, Adrian Barbeau, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I was trying to think what, what makes Miss Tessmacher interesting. And the trouble is, having watched Superman, you know, at a very young age, I did find Miss Tessmacher very interesting. I just didn't really understand why. <laughs> <laughs> it was only when I got a little bit older, I, I understood a bit more why. But yeah. um, I, have we have we got anything else? to say or, no. or should we go into our final review yeah i mean i think we've covered as i mean I, I really i can i can go for hours on how bad i think oh oh <laughs> what about the botched i'm looking for my notes here there's a botched shirt rip classic scene of superman trying to rip the shirt open and they botch it for this movie did you guys notice that when he goes to go save the that. airplane he runs out of the bar and he goes down the street and when he rips his shirt the actual s is like in the bottom cut off in the bottom right corner Oh, I've not seen that. I'll have to have a look <laughs> at that. that. You know, I think I think that's how it is. I, I don't think it's my uh, my TV the way it was set up because it was set up for you know widescreen or whatever. But yeah, I mean, why would you? How would you? How do you botch that? That just seems odd. I didn't remember that happening, but I noticed it this time. It was like, damn, that's. that's if you're really going to get bad. one thing right, <laughs> you need you need to nail the landing on those things, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Um, this, I don't know. I'm just looking through this now. This is kind of piling on, I guess, but you know, he, he, Lois and Superman are supposed to have had this sexual relationship, but even when they're alone, he still calls her Miss Lane. Yeah. (laughs) Did he pay for it or something? You know? Um, (laughs) and, uh, the, uh, The whole bit with uh, it's like a dominatrix. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's it, when he, it, you know, he's uh, he meets her on the roof and flies with her and tries to show her. You know, it's almost like he's saying, "If you fly with me, you'll forgive me." You know, kind of that crap. Just like he's using, he's abusing his power to try to make her feel for him again. And then uh, the whole bit. At, with- at least we didn't get some really bad poetry. Uh, oh. <laughs> Time to be fair. <laughs> the and, and the whole bit with uh, the world doesn't need a savior. She says the world doesn't need a savior, and he says that you know 
well, up here, you know, I hear everybody crying for one. Well, then why the fuck did you leave for five years if you knew damn good and well the world needed a savior? <laughs> yeah. You know, th- those kind of things that just don't don't make sense, you know? See, I'm, I'm probably thinking about this a little bit too much, but I was thinking about the theory of relativity, and I was thinking about, you know, was, was it five years for Kalel as well? You know, if he was approaching, excuse me, <coughs> if he was approaching the speed of light, you know, potentially he could go away to Krypton. <coughs> Voices going, um, you know, and it might have only been a few weeks for him. No, it, he's traveling at the speed of light. Well, no, it would have been the other. Yeah, but it, it would have been like 75 years for everybody else. He'd have come back and everybody else would have been dead and gone. That's how that would work. He might only ah, have experienced right. five years, but in the five years he was gone for him, everybody else would have, you know, or, or, or what no, you're saying, oh, what, what you're mean, saying right? was like, was he gone? And he came back. He's like, what the fuck? I was gone for like two days. What happened? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. So, so okay. it wasn't five years for him. Right, right, right. But, but they never make that a plot point. They never talk about mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. They never even think to, to address that. Which could be seen just as another shortcoming of the writing, is that they, they didn't think through anything logically when it came to, you know, the, the, the make having the movie have its own internal sense. You know, sure, there are things that are going to be nonsensical, like an alien from another planet having superpowers on the Earth. But then once you do that, is it consistent? Is it treated consistently? So, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't, I didn't think about it that way. Yeah. But, but then are we, you know, uh, in Superman 2, we've got kind of uh, General Zod and co, you know, Norman Ursa. They're, they're just hanging around by the moon, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, they are. The, the vastness of <laughs> space. Hanging. They just happen to be, you know, just right by the moon no, they, <laughs> when, they, when they it got, explodes. They got caught in the, uh, in the, what's it called? I can't remember, you know, when you have a, the... Ah, uh, what's the word? Plot, plot no, armor. No, no, <laughs> plot armor. No, no, no. Like when you have like plot a contrivance. The, you know, yeah. Well, there's no air in space that so might not really matter, but you the know, vacuum. Yeah, I or you know, I'm trying. To, I can't think of the word. Anyways, instead of fumbling, they're caught in the slipstream of the of of his rocket, so they end up near the Earth, and they show all that in the extended cuts of those movies. So you see that it's not just like, oh, where the hell did they come from? <laughs> so like yeah, in the yeah. extended cut of Superman, the movie, I think you see all that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I reckon we should get into our final review. Let's go. Now, Matt, I've got good feeling about this. <laughs> but before you give your final thoughts, Chris, would you like to give us a rundown of the scores? I will, Dave. And if I remember, because I always get this wrong. So <laughs> if it's the best thing you've ever seen, Matt, we send it to Asgard. If it's the uh, if it's still a great movie, but just not as good, it goes to Atlantis. If it's in the middle, it's Hall of Justice. If it's a bit of a turkey and you're like, yeah, it's, it's, it's getting pretty rubbish and it's not a great movie it's hell's kitchen and if it's the worst thing you've ever seen quite appropriate that we send it off to the phantom zone with oh. general zod so oh, where this... are you putting this on my friend 
you know, I I think originally when I thought about scoring this movie as uh, just on my own and my own, you know, tally of where I'd put it, I think I had it around a four because there's still, you know, filmmaking aspects of it that are that are decent. You know, some of the shots are good. There's some there's some there's some good parts to the overall filmmaking. We have mo- focused mostly on story and, uh, you know, that kind of thing with it, which is and character stuff. So I think I originally thought about it as a four, which is kind of like a two and a, a one to five. So to me, it's, it's, it's probably closer to Phantom Zone than uh, Hell's Kitchen. So it's, it's on its way to the Phantom Zone, even if it's not maybe the worst move I've ever seen. Um, you know what I mean? So it's, it's still way down at the bottom, even if I can't just go, it's the worst thing I've ever seen. I know it certainly sounds like it's the worst thing I've ever seen, but like I said, it's a better movie than it is a Superman movie. There's lots of complexity, quite honestly, in my opinion, to, to the score of this. Good stuff. Good stuff. What about you, Dave? I'm I'm just waiting to hear what you think of your sleeper hits now. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me go then. Let me. Go. Well, no, no, no. I, I'll I'll give my wrap up because the thing I'll say is I I often I'll I'll judge on a bit of a curve. So you know if if something if you get a movie and it's not great but they put it together for a million dollars or something you kind of have to take that into account. This had a budget of $223 million. So this was a big, big budget. And I mentioned at the top, I was all in at the start because it it just... It hit me with the nostalgia. I've not watched, um, you know, I think it was about two years ago, was it, Chris, when we tackled the Christopher Reeve uh, Superman movie. So, you know, it's been a couple of years. And having gone through, you know, more recently, the, the kind of Snyder superman uh, and and henry cavill superman it, it just hit the right note for me it calibrated my mind into a very positive mindset but after that it was just bloody boring <laughs> it was just pretty terrible i hadn't thought really too deeply about how it was just it was such a copy so it, you know there's a very fine line where you're paying homage to the things that have come before and you know you're you're giving me that nostalgia fix to just completely copying it. And I I just think I found it a bit of a slog to get all the way through. I do think, I I actually think Brandon Routh is a better Superman uh, than Henry Cavill. I thought he looked very charming. I thought they went a bit overboard with the quiff. You know, uh, I I thought there were specific times when that looked sort of ridiculous. But um, I like the duality of him. I think he's very much Christopher Reeve. You know, you can see there's a very, very much a difference between Superman and Clark Kent. And and that's what I like. So it's not great, though. I'm not going to be in a rush to watch this. And given, you know, it's such a high budget, you've got such an all-star cast, really, even though, you know, Kevin Spacey's proven to be a bit of a douchebag. Um, you know, it, it should have delivered a lot more than it actually did. So for me, it's going to be a hell's kitchen. Chris, what about yourself? Well, guys, it's not going to the top. I genuinely thought I was going to be Asgard or Atlantis for this. I, I honestly, and I know we've talked about and we've had a good laugh at different things, but I did think it's going to be there. It's going to be there, thereabouts. It's a great movie, totally underrated. 
it's just not. And I don't think necessarily the age, it's anything to do with the age. It's just a really slow, ponderous movie that the nostalgia stuff's brilliant. And I do think that when I've watched it the first time, Brandon Roth, I really appreciated his performance because he was just basically nicking Christopher Reeve, basically. He looked like him. He even sounded like him at certain points or tried to. But watching it now, it almost feels like it's a Saturday Night Live skit at times where he's just taking the piss out of Superman. And I, I, I just didn't enjoy it. I just did not enjoy it this time. And I wish now I'd not really watched it because it, my nostalgia was made it feel like a better film. So it's not the worst thing ever. And just because of the John Williams score, I can't put it to the bottom. But I'm exactly the same as you. I'm going to send it to Hell's Kitchen, as is you, Dave, because it's just... It's just, yeah, it is what it is, unfortunately. It's just a pretty poor movie, sadly. So, yeah, other than John Williams, it's not a great film. And and if we're dissing it for copying, you know, ultimately <laughs> it is just taking a, you know, a theme tune that was done in, in 78. But it does make me want, if we see a Superman movie in the future, for fuck's sake, bring that Superman <laughs> theme back. You know, start with all the... Uh, people talk about it being more realistic more gritty and then you know you couple that like you mentioned chris with uh, wonder woman she's got no uh different makeup or anything she's just wandering around and, and no one notices it's her same with clark kent and everything it's not that it's more realistic it's just dark more dark and brooding give me you know upbeat positive superman i want to feel good when i watch a superman movie and so, uh, unfortunately, you know, I still have to go back to the Christopher Reeve movies for that. No, and I agree. I agree. Now, Matt, where can everyone get you, please? And tell us a little bit about the show before you go. Oh, of course. Uh, well, of course, weekly I do reviews for DC Comics News. Uh, and I, of course, have this show on the Comics in Motion Network. Thanks to you, gentlemen. It's called Classic Comics with Matthew B. Lloyd every other Monday, alternating with superheroes for dummies. You can follow the show on Twitter at Comics Lloyd. There's also an email address that I will uh, check if you want to talk about something on the show or ask questions. Uh, ClassicComicsMBL at gmail.com Personally on Twitter I'm at Matt B underscore Lloyd. You'll get a lot of music stuff out of me on there as well. Good stuff. Thank you, Matt. Good stuff. And if you want to follow us, guys, as always, at Comics Emotion P, if you want to email us, the Comics Emotion Podcast at gmail.com. And like Matt and ourselves, we've got some amazing people who do shows on this feed. We really, really have such an expansive range of comics, comic book based show so please get onto our feed and have a listen there's something for everybody and we'd really really appreciate and if you do get time drop us a review on any of the podcasts on your podcast catching app and we'll uh, read it out on the show we just appreciate that because it gets us up them podcast cha- uh, charts so i've kept talking matt we've had a great chat today and i really appreciate it but dave how are you going to take us out my friend you know what i've only just noticed what your handle is that you've come into this meeting <laughs> fucking spacey search history <laughs> took you over an hour Dave <laughs> I, I, just, I just switch off to these things I'm like what the fuck? Um, so all I'm going to say is Chris I'm not going to come out with a quote from the line or anything else we'll just have a we'll just enjoy a little bit of the John Williams score to take us out excellent choice Goodbye.
an adventure. Tim's Xavier. Go fuck yourself. What in the ass? Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? I always ask that of all my prey. I just like the sounds. Let's not stand on ceremony here, Mr. Wayne. Would you care to step outside? Come to me, son of Jerome! Kneel before Zod! Why so serious? Let's put a smile on that face. I am Iron Man. I'm Batman. I Whoa! Hey! Comics in Motion is thrilled to be partnering with Humble to become Humble Partners. If you follow the link in the show notes, you'll be taken to Humble Bundle where you can get some access to some amazing stuff. Digital comics, digital books, video games, coding manuals. It, the amount of stuff that you can get there is obscene. Plus, you get it at a ridiculous discount. So here's what you need to do. Click that link, go to Humble Bundle. Not only are you gonna get great stuff at a great deal, but you're also going to support a charity and you're gonna help Comics in Motion keep the lights on. So click the link, go to Humble Bundle, get yourself some amazing stuff. Thanks.